Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ron Baker, folks, along with my good friend, Barris Sage Institute colleague and co-host, Ed Kless. And Ed, welcome to February's edition of Free Rider Friday. I love Free Rider Friday, Ron. Love, love, love Free Rider Friday. Me too. Me too. Well, listen, I'm going to open and I'm going to take on what we did last week, the personality <laughs> tests. <laughs> I'm still hearing about it. I am uh, still too. hearing about it. Me too. Yeah. I, have we ever done a show that generated more controversy? I, You know, I, I don't think so. And that's crazy considering some of the topics that we've taken on. But I think you're right. I think you're right. I think this one is really blown it out of the water. And I do want to, a quick apology, by the way, to... Our, our friends at, at Leading Results, I, I in the opening of the show yesterday, I kind of made a joke or last week I made a joke that was uh, th- that kind of put them in a bad light. And that was that's not the case at all. They do a terrific job and Courtney is awesome. So just just a quick shout out to them. Uh, but the, the topic is clearly stirred a nerve, but but uh, they have helped uh, spread the word. So thanks to those guys. But what is it, Ron? What what, what do you what do you got to follow up with? Well, I, I was trying to track down Annie Murphy Paul, the author yeah, yeah. of the book that I wrote, talked about, The Cult of uh, Personality Testing, and mm-hmm. I found her on Facebook, and I came across an article she had posted there that she wrote in June uh, 2016, and it was uh, published in NPR, and the title of the article is Personality Tests Are Popular, But Do They Capture the Real You? And she starts this article by saying, 12 years ago, I tried to drive a stake into the heart of personality testing. They're neither valid nor reliable, and we should stop using them. Mm -hmm. Uh, She says, but I was mistaken. They're more popular now than ever. And she goes on to say that, you know, this industry is tough because it doesn't publish very well. It's more like astrology or dream analysis, right? Um, but she says, whether you're using them to determine if you're a good fit or facilitate teamwork, right? That's, that's a big thread yeah. that I got into. People were saying, yeah. well, I don't, I don't use them to predict success. I use them to facilitate teamwork and communication. Uh, mm-hmm. and she says, but they don't work. No. <laughs> and, and, um, she says, you know, after my book was published, I had been happy to know that she also got critiques from people that said, you know, hey, these tests have changed my life. And of course, they're mostly mm-hmm. talking about the, uh, the Myers-Briggs. And, you know, she says, if you've ever ran across a new acquaintance who says, are you an INTJ? Because my <laughs> sister-in-law is the same and you remind me of her and I'm the opposite. And they give you their four-letter code. Right. <laughs> and she says, 
Myers-Briggs is a secular religion, and no mm. amount of scientific evidence will dissuade its true believers. No. And, um, you know, she says, over the years, I've kind of developed a tolerance since her book came out, and even an affection for some of these obsessed uh, Myers-Briggsers. She goes, sure, their instrument is a Carl Young, <laughs> I love this, Carl Young-inspired load of nonsense <laughs> engineered <laughs> to make everyone who takes it feel good about themselves. And, and, you know, she just reiterates the point she made in her book. Humans are far too complex, too mysterious, you right. know, and too interesting yep. to be defined. Yeah. Thank the, God. Yeah. And, and that's, that's why I quoted that philosopher, Lin Yu Tang. He said the same thing. Um, but the other thing that she points out is, you know, the creators of these tests are very colorful personalities. And just to focus in on one, Isabel, My- Isabel Myers, and, and, and by the way, she calls her a Pennsylvania housewife and I oh, got, you got grief for that one for labeling on Twitter, that. Holy cow. First off, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with being a housewife. I could, I could have said homemaker. I, I guess that would be more politically incorrect. But, right. you know, uh, Annie Murphy in her book for research, she poured through her letters and journal entries mm-hmm. of Isabel yep. Myers. And she says, a string of four letters doesn't come close to capturing the fascinating complexities of this woman. And she mm-hmm. goes, well, that was her limitation. We don't have to make it ours. Right. <laughs> In other words, the four, the four letter, you sure. know, label. Um, so just, it, 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 I think this article is even stronger than her book. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> in some in some respects, and so she hasn't changed her mind at all in the twelve years since since she published. And I was happy to see that. So yeah. I stand I stand by our conclusion. Total hokum. <laughs> I agree. And if anybody knows, uh, what is, is Annie Murphy Paul? Is that right? Yes, Annie okay. Murphy Paul. Anyway, Paul, if anybody knows her, we'd love to have her on the show. We're trying to track her down on Facebook, but if any of you have a connection to her, let us know because we we would really like to have her as a guest and and delve into this topic some more. So, uh, let me. So, curiously, Ron, I was out at a Strategic Leadership Association event this week in San Diego. Absolutely beautiful out there, as always. Mm -hmm. And the there was a a gentleman. I won't give his name here, just just because I don't want to. But but he he did a really good job. He did and actually talked some pricing, Ron. So you you be you be pleased to hear that. And did did a, a good. He wasn't talking about it in the economic terms that you and I do the foundational theory stuff. But he clearly gets it and wh- where he got it from. I don't care. I I welcome all oncomers. But I I will say that his entire worldview what's that german word one weltanschauung weltanschauung yeah marcus our listener from germany sent us yeah he sent it to us i still can't remember it still (laughs) anyway it means worldview but but it's it's more it's more rich than worldview and but he kept he opened up with an hour on disc profiling i was like oh my god i'm gonna i'm gonna die right wow a few days after we did yeah after we did our show And well, at least was, you knew your disc profile, Ed. You that's could, that's <laughs> true. That's true. I did. I did. Um, and but what was interesting is that he used that as a setup. He went on to say that companies, you can actually you're, the the company based on the stage of development that it's in is a particular disc profile. And I was like, wow, wow, that's, that's kind of interesting. Um, nonsense. But, yeah, it is nonsense. But but here's the but but here's the thing. His material, the other material that he did, was quite good. 
I mean, it was really good stuff. Like I said, it was talking about pricing. He talked about, um, uh, I think, an, a nice new take on on you know the dipping the toe in the water exercise that, that we do. It was really quite good. He he talked about you know increasing your effectiveness, not your efficiency. You know, so uh, but. Everything that he went to, he kept going back to, and this is where it fits into the disc, the circle, right? He has this circle, you know, the D, the SI, whatever. And it, it was just, it, it took away, for me anyway, maybe it didn't for the other people at, the, at this, this, this uh, seminar, but it was just odd to, to, to think that that's like his setup for everything, right? He, he's fit everything into that view, Right. That that isn't. You remember how Roy Sutherland in his Zeitgeist talk at Google said, "You know, I've got a theory of everything, and you can cancel Stephen right. Hawking tomorrow." Uh, <laughs> and, and 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 of course, his theory is value is subjective, and you know the whole Austrian thing. Isn't right. that wild that you can have an alternative theory like that and mm-hmm. still come to so, the, to the right conclusions, even though Correct. the theory might be. You know, that's what they say about Adam Smith, that he was right in practice, but wrong in theory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a real yep. interesting charge. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. Yep. Yep. So, anyway, let's move on, though. Okay, we're, we're right. done with personality profiling. And, uh, yes. until, until we get Andy Murphy Paul on, then we'll get, bring it back. But we're, let's Absolutely. We'll, we'll move on. What's next in your stack, Ron? Oh, you're going to give me another one? Yeah, I'll give you another one because I, I that was mine. It was kind of a you know follow on to yours. Okay, okay. Well, I you know Kevin Williamson is a economics uh, journalist at, at National Review. He also writes uh, pretty regularly on National Review Online. He's one of my favorite e- economic writers. I just love this mm-hmm. guy. I love the way his brain works, and he's a particularly fantastic writer. But he he, he starts out in this article, a "Hungry World No More," and he says, "Whatever happened to world hunger?" Answer: California. Iowa, Texas, Nebraska, Minnesota, Illinois, Kansas, North Carolina, Wisconsin, (laughs) and Indiana. (laughs) Add fewer people are going hungry in absolute numbers as well as a share of the world's population. The average daily calorie deficits are down to about 85 calories. That's roughly one and a half McNuggets short. Full day's nutrition. World food prices are down steeply by half over the past half century. Nebraska's biggest export is beef. A great deal of it goes to Hong Kong. And Chinese, uh, you know, makes uh, Nebraska the third largest export exporter of soybeans. Um, and, you know, the port of Los Angeles handles about 165,000 automobiles every year, but 8 million tons of food. Wow. Process that for a minute. Um, United States exports far more farm produce than any other country. Nearly twice the amount of Brazil, France, and Germany. Netherlands, by the way, is number two. (laughs) It's because they send fresh flowers. And fresh flowers cost (sighs) a heck of a lot more than soybeans. (laughs) Wow. According to the USA... Go ahead. Sorry. I would have never guessed Netherlands as the number. That's, in, ter- that in is terms the- of value. In terms of value. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. According to the USDA, 97% of U.S. farm households are both high wealth and high income. And that's that's a really good point. American farm households own, on average, more than 800 grand in wealth. And even, um, you know, fa- especially families operating commercial agriculture, you know, bigger outfits, on average, two and a half million 
um, you know, Jim Rogers, the, uh, he's very colorful investor guy. You probably see him on like MSNBC. He's like a stock analyst. He said, uh, if you want to drive a Lamborghini, learn to drive a tractor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, really. But, you know, Williams ends this by saying not long ago, the great dream and aspiration of most people walking on earth was to have enough to eat for themselves and their children and be liberated from worrying about, um, you know, whether or not they would eat again tomorrow or the next day. Mm-hmm. And capitalism has brought that, you know, <laughs> yep. that dream yep. uh, to a reality. And I, I, I again, this I know we've talked about this before with the great decrease in wealth and uh, poverty, uh, bone crushing, you know, dollar a day poverty has been cut. What is it? It's, it's dramatic in the last 10, 15 years. And this calorie intake and and no no more hunger uh, is is another one of those just great untold stories mm-hmm. of free markets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we we addressed it, but I th- it's just it bears repeating that that there are fewer people alive today in absolute poverty than there were in eighteen hundred, and that's and that's in absolute numbers, meaning <laughs> despite the fact that there were there are seven trillion. Uh, people in the world, uh, sorry, I'm sorry, so 7 billion people in the world, right? There are fewer people alive today who are in absolute poverty and go hungry than there were in 1800 when there were only like 1. Point something, 1.8 billion people. And, and when you think about it, Ed, when you look back to 17 or 1800 <clears throat> and you look at mm-hmm. the percentage of people who worked on farms <laughs> and yep. look at it today, I mean, yeah, yep. we've only got a couple percent. I know other countries have a third or sometimes 40, 50 percent in poorer countries. But still, you know, we, we we're feeding the world without without much uh, without much labor. It's no. just it's just a fascinating and just uh, I think just a magical story. It is. And you're right. It does go largely untold untold stuff anyway well we're up against our first break ron we want to remind you that if you want to get a hold of ron or me you can email us at ask tsoe at verisage.com also the website thesoulofenterprise.com with complete show notes as well as previews of upcoming shows posted out there and we did get a couple of comments this week we love having hearing from you so keep those coming also take a look at the show on itunes rate it and recommend it to all of your friends. But right now, we want to hear from our sponsor, Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your website just a brochure, or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are Leading Results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. 
The value of this book is found entirely in its foreword. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the foreword and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. A 3.5% surcharge will be added to all guest checks to help cover the increasing labor costs in our in support of the recent increases in minimum wage and benefits for our dedicated team members. That was the sign on the check-in desk at the hotel, Ron. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. At a Hilton Hotel a Hilton in San hotel. Diego. Yes, I'll read that again, and we'll post it, and I have a picture of it, which we'll include in the show notes. A 3.5% surcharge will be added to all guest checks to help cover increasing labor costs and our support of the minimum of of the recent increases in minimum wage and benefits for our dedicated team members. So let's parse what's wrong with this picture, Ron. Oh, where do you start? <laughs> how, how many times do we say, Ed, in our presentations that we could open up a business newspaper today in any city in the country and read about a company who's raising their prices and mm-hmm. the justification will be <laughs> cost increase. Yeah, cost increase. our costs going up. <laughs> Okay. Now, these guys made a plaque out of it. They made a plaque out of it. They made you're a plaque gonna, out of it. You're going to have to turn yep. that into a full bleed uh, slide. That That's terrific. <laughs> it's terrific. It, it, it's terrifically awful, right? It is. <laughs> it's what yes. it is. Yes. It's that's terrifically I mean. awful because, you know, for, first of all, yes, you cannot justify your prices. It, it just makes people angry, right? And here's the thing. Didn't the Hilton, the Hilton Hotel knew these? This was coming, right? I, I have to think that the, even this was in California, Ron. So I have to think that the, these minimum wage increases didn't take them by surprise, right? Right. Could 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 they not have increased the price ahead of time, like knowing this was going to happen? Now, I will say this, and and this, and I put this out on Facebook, and there's a, there was a lot of banter about this. Some of some of them saying what you and I just said. Or, that was my first reaction too. Is why are you justifying a price increase by looking at your costs? But others were saying, well, you know, they're they're just trying to blame the government for this, and mm-hmm. that's the wrong attitude too, right? Because here's is. the thing: it is the government's fault. <laughs> it is that's a, they're, they're correct, and and this would be the side where you would where where I would argue slightly in favor of doing this but not not for the price increase but just letting the the, the fact that it, let, it lets people know is to say look th- this goes to our show on bastiat prices are going to increase it's th- the big corporations and the companies that have to pay this are not going to pay their their people more money without responding to it in some way Yep. Right. By either increasing prices or doing something else or cutting the number of hours that people have. 
right? Because that's not going to change. They still need to manage their expenses. And people think that passing these minimum wage laws, just it it just like it's printing money. One person even said on on the on my post, well, well, isn't isn't it good? Because now these people that are on this minimum wage, they'll have more money to spend and it will help the economy. (laughs) And I'm just like, wow, wow, <laughs> right? That's exactly what I said. I just, wow, <laughs> wow. But that and but but and this is that which is unseen, right? If you if they don't put this plaque up, it still happens, but it goes unseen. Yep. Right. It goes completely unseen, and you know, and and of course the Hilton hotel chain they can handle this, right? This I thought this was particularly grating since this is a large organization, but I'm sure that this kind of plaque is appears all over. Where in cases where it's small mom and pop type businesses who are dramatically affected by a minimum wage increase. Sure. Sure. Uh, you know, it's in in the pricing circle. You know the debates. I mean, these come up all the time when when. Uh, oil prices surge or something, FedEx will put on their bill uh, a surcharge for fuel, yep. right? Two bucks. And the lot and I've never agreed with the logic. I'm just making the argument that the pricers make in mm-hmm. defense of this policy that while well, this shows our customers that this is temporary, it's not something we did and that it will be removed. Now mm-hmm. I, I don't agree with that, but but I accept it, and I accept that people look at that and go, "Oh, okay, that I, you know, that makes sense." But then, when you think about the minimum wage, this isn't temporary. No. <laughs> so it even makes less sense. No, I know, I know. In wow. a Hilton hotel, can you believe that? You know, Thomas Sowell said it best. He said, "The government can set the minimum wage wherever they want, mm-hmm. but the real minimum wage is zero. Yep. So you just won't get hired." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. and you know and, until they can set a minimum productivity uh, yep. it's just nonsensical but oh, that's wild that that's great i'm gonna have to get that picture from you ed yeah no I'll, I'll i'll put it in a slide and send it to you it's great all right here we go you ready for this uh, i'm ready all right bill gates a robot uh, is yes. going to do a human's job it should also pay a person's income taxes no, no, yes. now, no. Now, now, look, he, he goes on as if a robot comes in to do the same thing, you'd think we'd tax the robot at a similar level. And I'm like, well, geez, let's get, let's just manufacture a ton of robots. And then, you know, I can have my <laughs> robot in my income tax. That'd be great. But it's a little bit more. Now, now, of course, you can imagine, you know, the kind of comments that came out on this. I mean, a a lot of people who are economically literate said, this is just insane. But, you know, other people were all for it. Um, uh, I also find it kind of interesting that Gates is an optimist when it comes to this technology in terms of jobs. But he did say with respect to this, and this was an interview he did with Quartz. He said, you can't just give up that income tax. Some of it can come from uh, c- come on the profits that are generated by the labor-saving efficiency. Some of it can come directly from some type of robot tax. But he was uh, he's actually not talking about the robot actually forking over cash. He was actually talking about the companies that make them or the companies that buy them. And oddly enough, Ed, as you can imagine, the EU actually considered this proposal of a tax on robots to pay for training for workers who lose their jobs. Uh, And on February 16th, the uh, EU rejected it, which surprises me. I'm surprised they didn't pass it. (laughs) But but this is what caught me. And and look, I'm not going to say Gates is 
dumb enough to think that robots pay taxes. That, that That's not what he said when you no, really no, listen no, no. to right. the interview. Here's what the interview out, interviewer asked him. Could you figure out a way to do it that it didn't disincentivize innovation? And he said, well, you ought to be willing to raise the tax level and even slow down the speed of that adoption somewhat to figure it out. And 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 I thought about this and I said, hmm, I wonder if he would have felt that way about Excel. Yeah, exactly. Excel and has account- placed a yep. ton of jobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, and he said, he was asked again uh, right after, he said, you're more on the side the government should play an active role rather than solely, um, you know, rely on businesses to figure it out. And he said, well, businesses can't figure it out. He said the inequality solving part, absolutely government's got a big role to play there. You mm-hmm. know, the nice thing about taxation is that it really separates the issue. And it's like, wait a minute, if business can't figure it out, I got a question. How's government going to figure it out? Right. <laughs> Because there's mean, brilliant minds that go into government, I suppose, I, you know. It, but this whole idea that we should tax it to slow it down, I and I think about the revolution he created with Microsoft and Office and all mm-hmm. that. Wow. I, what happens to somebody after they become a CEO of an innovative company and then go and run a philanthropic foundation? Well, you know, it, the other thing that I saw about Bill Gates this week is that, you know, the, the, there was a prediction that he would have been the first, first world's first trillionaire. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, and what went wrong, right? <laughs> you know, and part of it was the dot com bursting. But the other the other thing was, is, you know, he 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 stopped being an innovator. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Stop being an innovator in a way. I mean, certainly in, in his core competency. And I'm not saying that the stuff that he isn't doing to eradicate malaria and these other things aren't great. But he he, he could have kept working, could have kept kept on it at Microsoft and maybe created more value for himself and the shareholders at Microsoft and still given more of that money away to have other people take care of those things. So. All right. Yeah, you know what's that old line? If if it if if it, if it moves, tax it. And if it doesn't move, subsidize it. And I just think here here's you know the robotics industry and and all this stuff, AI, deep learning, yeah, yeah. and all of that is moving at such a, a incredible pace. And and then you've got you know things like windmills uh, mm-hmm. that, that are dead. They're DOA, and the only reason they exist is because they're subsidized to the hill. Mm-hmm. And I just think this is so backwards, but taxing robots or companies that buy them are just as. <laughs> well, well, to, on that end, Ron, let me throw this one in because I think we can get this in, in in about 90 seconds before our next break is is. And this came out right after our free rider show last week is the relationship between IBM Watson and the good folks at H&R Block. Yes. Right. And that uh, AI is going to help do your taxes this year because there's a huge now partnership. And this is this is from Tech Republic. Their uh, cognitive computing engine will help tax filers maximize their returns. And H&R Block is looking forward to this. They think more than 70,000 block preparers will take use of IBM Watson during during this filing season. So that's preparers. So mm-hmm. 70,000 preparers. So c- countless numbers of, uh, of of people will have this and uh, it, they also say, say on you know that, that Watson you know knows the tax code inside and out right I guess interpretation is the big challenge 
but um, you know they're they're really really thinking that that this is this is going to be a huge challenge. And think about this, not so much this year, but next year or the year after, the intelligence that Watson will pick up on in actually doing the returns instead of just the theorizing that you know it's actually going to have be in practice for for two or three years. Ed, I forget the statistic, but H&R Block does something like one out of six or one out of uh-huh. seven of every tax return filed in the United States. Amazing. Yep. And, 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 and in some countries, it may be even more. Um, but if you just look at the U.S. market and then you think about all that big data being crunched by Watson and probably a microsecond, um, the learning here is going to be just an unbelievable curve. <laughs> we talk about Larry Gilder loves to talk about learning curves. I just mm-hmm. think you think about the learning curve of Watson, and it's just it's going to be phenomenal. I find it very interesting that Watson, uh, K- KPMG, has deployed Watson as well. They brought him on mm-hmm. board. Isn't it interesting in the accounting space that at the very high end with KPMG, and then mm-hmm. I don't want to call block the low end, but you know what I mean. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. They're, 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 they're very specialized. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And and they're they're they got both sides of the market, and you just think about okay, what about the middle? What's what's going to happen here? <laughs> it's it's a very interesting strategy. I don't know if it's deliberate IBM strategy or not to to go high low like that, but it, it strikes me as very very intriguing about the consequences for everybody in between those two spots. Mm-hmm. And how quickly that this is then going to roll out after that. But you're absolutely right. And now, the, in in all fairness, they did say that this is going to be work alongside professionals. So I guess that means that Bill Gates wouldn't tax it since it's working alongside the professionals. It's not displacing them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boy, that would be a great uh, interpretive thing. Did the robot displace me or am I working? You know, and then can you imagine uh-huh. the lobbying? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's definitely stuff. something to keep our eye on because, you know, yeah. like, just like Watson's little brother, Ross, in the legal space has gone into some law firms. Um, and, you know, everybody in the accounting space is talking about, oh, we got to move away from compliance work and get more into consulting and, and all of that. And I understand that. We've been saying that for 20, 30 years. But the question is, what happens when Watson takes over the consulting? It already has. <laughs> Watson's already sitting in C-suites. Yeah. He's already he's already displacing some uh, consultants, and and McKinsey's worried about Watson, just mm-hmm. like accounting firms, you know, are worried about AI. So it's just absolutely fascinating. Look, this Free Rider Friday, as usual, is just flying by, folks. We'd like to remind you if you want to get a hold of Ed or myself, you can send us an email at asktsoe at verisage dot com. Gotten several of your emails just in the past week. Thanks. To all who write us, take the time, give us feedback on the show, and certainly when you suggest topics, we take that very seriously. And you can follow us on Twitter at hashtag AskTSOE, and check out our full show notes at thesoulofenterprise.com. And now we want to hear from our sponsor. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? 
I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. We're tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're here free riding Friday in our February edition. And Ed, I've got a thing here. The Bureau of Labor Statistics does a survey every two years. And what they do is they extrapolate current trends, right, which, you know, has got problems for predicting the future, but they're predicting the growth of specific job categories 10 years out. Now, the most recent one uh, was a couple years ago. So from 2014 to 2024, what do you think the number one job will be in terms of its growth rate? So you oh, got to realize man. you might be starting from a small base, right? Uh-huh. And have a, yeah, a, a yeah. you know, uh, I'll give you a hint. It won't help you at all. But the growth rate in the number one slot is expected to grow at 108%. Okay. I am going to say something in medical. Well, like, uh, okay. Uh, all right. So that would ju- be just because. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just doing a megatrend thing here, right? Yep. And I'm thinking yep. that the, the 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 retirement of the baby boomers, and as they begin to age, that we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna need some kind of a you know, so maybe registered nurse, something some, something like something that. Like That's that. what I'm going with. Hmm? It's a it's a fantastic guess. It really is because you okay. nailed positions two through the end. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of exceptions, but basically every other thing is is projected unbelievable growth in that specific sector that you mentioned. Okay, okay. Number one. But the number one. <laughs> you got to get Sean on this, Ed. Okay, okay, okay. He needs to be a wind turbine service technician. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's the number one job category. <clears throat> Really? Yep, the bird cuisine arts. You, you got to learn how to fix them. Because they're all breaking down? Well, they're, they're going to. <laughs> right? I guess they're 
inclement weather or whatever. So who knows? They rust out or, you know. No, but I bet, you know, and that's up there. I I saw an interview this week somewhere along the line with Mike Rowe, the guy from Dirty Jobs. Yes. And, you know, he's a a fascinating guy. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to to, to listen to his stuff. I have. I've watched a few of his podcasts and yeah. things. Yeah, great. And, and read lots of his articles. Yep, yep. But he was, and he, but he was saying, look, look. He says, he says, there is really no excuse for unemployment unless unless you're physically disabled, right? He says, if you want to get a job, here's what you do: you walk into a bar in anywhere USA and talk to five or six people about what's the worst thing that they have to do in their company, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and I guarantee you, you will be able to you'll be able to find something that's available in that in that space. He says because that, that that's in a way that's how we how Dirty Jobs got started. Started, I right? love it. And I and I would imagine that wind turbine services is in there not because it's it's but because you know you got you can't have fewer heights that's for sure. Definitely right. Uh, you know you gotta gotta get up there with this thing with a lot of wind blowing around probably the thing wobbling while you're you're. Uh, tied tied to it so i you know i I would i would think that it it takes a kind of a special person to be able to do that not somebody who's just going to sit there and type at a keyboard because if if it's a service technician you're going to be actively involved yep no but now to your point ed just to give you some examples and put this into some context occupational therapy assistance grow 43 percent physical therapy 41 percent i'm not going to read the percentages but they're all in the 30s and and high 20s home health aids Right. Commercial drivers are in here. And I think that's interesting when you start thinking about the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, really, the driverless trucks. And cars. Wrong. Nurse practitioners, physical therapists, statisticians, uh, ambulance drivers. So you can see that the aging population is certainly uh, driving a lot of these healthcare things. Hearing aid specialists, genetic um, counselors, audiologists, you know, personal financial advisors are also in here. Uh, they right. come out pretty well. But, and, and just as, as a real quick follow-up to this, Mark Cuban gave an interview uh, to on Bloomberg TV. And, you know, he what he thinks about the future jobs, he says, look, he said, when you're looking at graduating from college today, what may be a great job today might not be in five or ten years, right? Mm-hmm. And he sees the automation of automation. He said, everybody's, you know, going to these software coding boot camps and things like that. He said, but ultimately... The software is going to write itself, and those jobs are going to be automated away. And he thinks what's going to be in greater demand in 10 years are for people who have uh, creative and critical thinking skills. And he sees a return to traditional liberal arts degree as being a huge competitive advantage, English, philosophy, foreign languages, things like that. And you know, I thought that for a long time, that people with a liberal arts degree can think, they can communicate probably maybe have better interpersonal skills than somebody who's gone through an MBA and gotten their hand stamped with all of these business courses. Mm-hmm. Well, as, as a liberal arts uh, major, I would t- completely agree with your analysis. <laughs> <laughs> and as a business major, I would too. <laughs> now he, he also said, I just, and I just had to put this in here because he says he, he went on to voice his support. This is Mark Cuban uh, for programs such as AmeriCorps. Which Trump just kiboshed. <laughs> <laughs> AmeriCorps was a joke. 
It was supposed yeah. to be, you know, it was, you know, JFK did the the Peace Corps. Peace said, Corps. Well, this was yeah. Bill the Peace Corps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was Bill Clinton because he had, you know, such affection for JFK and all that. Um, right. But the AmeriCorps, what a joke. I mean, you know, it's just what they, reminds me of what they used to say about the WPA during the Great Depression, you know, the Work Projects mm-hmm. Administration. We right. piddle around. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And the TSA, the thousands standing around. So yeah, yeah, you're gonna go pick up trash in you know some city, and that's gonna yeah, yeah. Uh, give me a break. All right, all right. Ready for mine run? I'm very, I'm bet. anxious to share this one with you because I'm I know that this one is definitely not in your stack. That's okay. <laughs> this is at a this is at a Pine City, Minnesota. Pine okay. City, Minnesota. I've never been there. I've been all over nope. Minnesota. Yeah, okay. Pine City, Minnesota. Their their high school. They have a high school and with a coach. His name is Kyle Allen, who has a moneyball approach to basketball. Mm. This this high school team only atte- either does one of two things: they either attempt three point shots or layups. So they shoot no mid range shots at all. Wow. Okay. okay? And this is based on his analysis of the, the the situation. In fact, in in one of their recent games, they they attempted sixty four field goals, so sixty four shots. Right, mm-hmm. sixty two of them were layups or three pointers. Right. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, they 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 brought this team all the way to the Minnesota State Championship. They they have uh, they do not have a, a very tall team. On average, right? They're they're they don't have anyone who's taller than six foot two mm-hmm. in a high school team. Which you know, again, that's high school, but still. Um, and got all the way up to the the, the Minnesota State Championships, where they did run into a, a a powerhouse team that you know was just been destroying everybody. But uh, there's there's a there's some videos. This is a, from the Wall Street Journal, so be sure to to post this. But there's a video which I showed my son Sean. He plays a lot of basketball. He's like, "This is crazy." <laughs> so, um, so that but pretty interesting. So this guy's this guy's figured out a hack. Now, th- while it's true that a lot of pro teams like the Golden State Warriors out by you have implemented. S- this strategy to some degree, none of them have taken it quite to the extreme that the Pine City Dragons have. Right. So. So, Ed, you know, when you explain sabermetrics to me, one of the things you said is, you know, the goal here is not to get an out, right? Keep Correct. The, keep the player on the players on offense as long as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the theory with this layup or three point shots only? I mean, what's the undergirding theory? Yep. So here's the, t- here's the, here's the theory is that the, 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 the layups you have are, are extraordinary high percentage chance that you get them. Right. So there may be, let's say 80% of the time you, you actually do score. Right. Oh, interesting. And that's okay. right. And that's worth two points, but anything further out than say three or four feet, the percentage significantly decreases until you get to the three point arc. Right, oh. and when you're at the three point arc, what happens? Well, the value of the goal goes up by fifty percent. From it's not worth two points; it's worth three points. So, despite the fact that it's lower percentage chance that you will get the shot, because it's now worth three, it's yeah. better to take as many threes as you possibly can, even if you miss up even to half miss. more or whatever. Yeah, uh-huh. is yep. is that it? it do, 
what is the percentage in the NBA? Do you know? Of, of, I don't know. I'm not, not you know, my, if Sean were here, he could probably tell you. He could probably tell <laughs> <laughs> But, but uh, no, I don't know. It might be in the article here. So I'll just scan scan through. But, yeah, it, it's the, the – I think the their, this season, um, 87% of their points came on either threes or layups, right, which is just, just unheard of. So. Right, right. Wow. Wow, that's great. That's great. Yep. Wow. Pine City, Minnesota. All right. Yep. Yep. Well, I, I don't know if we're going to get through all this because I've got two that are that are um, sort of related here, but this that this is um, this is just kind of interesting. In the Economist, uh, in the Schumpeter column, and there's a new uh-huh. Schumpeter journalist. Um, there's uh, in February in uh, December of 2016. The title was "Management Theory Is Becoming a Compendium of Dead Ideas." And <laughs> I really like this new columnist for Schumpeter. He's doing a good job. He says, business schools are the cathedrals of capitalism and its consultants are its traveling friars. <laughs> but he <laughs> says, man- management theory is right for reformation. And he says, there's three big myths amongst the consultants uh, of management theory. And myth number one is business is more competitive than ever. But he says, really, the story since 2008 is it's it's been more about consolidation than competition. Right. There's been 30,000 M&A deals every year representing about 3% of our GDP. Myth number two is that we live in an age of entrepreneurialism. He says, well, the rates of business creation have declined since the 1960s. Now, he does blame this on a tax system, regulations, things like that. But the third myth is business is getting faster, Right. And he said, well, yeah, there's no doubt that an Internet company can get hundreds of millions of people signed up pretty quick. But he says, look, Ford got 50 percent of households to have an automobile in the, in the garage after uh, two decades, roughly. He says, in a lot of ways, business is becoming slower you know, mm. because of regulations like FDA and drugs. Think of that, you know, 10, yeah. 20 years to get a drug on market. Um, so I just think this is, this is just really fascinating, but here's his, here's his condemnation. I know we have to take a break. He says, but the glaring weakness in management theory is it's naivete about politics. It just completely ignores politics. And I just think that is really, really interesting. <laughs> yeah. I'd be interested in hearing more about that at some point. I hope so. That's good. Yeah, he doesn't really flush that out. But, uh, well, we need to take a break, uh, folks, so we're up against it. And, and you can uh, email Ed or myself at asktsoe at verisage.com. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Four new employees. A 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit believeinyournumbers.com today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. 
Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the foreword to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its foreword. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the foreword and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise well, welcome back everybody we're here doing free rider friday and ed just as a uh Final word on the Schumpeter column about the uh, <laughs> management theories becoming a, a you know compendium of dead ideas. I love that because our, the book that that I really like by Gary Hamill, The Future of Management, basically said that you know management ideas and theories uh, are stuck in a rut. They haven't evolved you know in practically a hundred years, and this article is kind of backing that up. Um, but I just want to give you a language alert. I know how you know we we believe that all transformation is linguistic, right? Mm-hmm. I want to put you on alert to something because I've already seen this in the New York Times and in other places. The word regulations is being changed, and this is deliberate. It's hmm. now called protections. So when you read about uh, removing protections from consumer safety, health environment watch for that you're seeing that i'm seeing it all over the place i'm also hearing it Mm. there's a linguistics professor at the university of california berkeley by the name of george lakoff and he's a consultant to democrats on language Mm -hmm. and this is his suggestion and i give him credit it's a good one it is a good one. It's a good one. Control that language. Yep. Okay. Well, that 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 leads into this this article and that I I came across and that this is from our friends at the Foundation for Economics Education. By the way, they are on fire. They are. They are. They have they have just been doing some terrific work. In fact, I've got another thing from them if we get to it. But this one is from. Uh, the the article oh I thought I had the, the author's name here but the this she the, the author here she really loves her um, Brittany Hunter Brittany Hunter is an associate editor and she loves her have you ever had this bulletproof coffee Ron have you heard about no this? I've heard of it coffee? I've heard of it yep okay so she's a big fan of the bulletproof coffee which you're also which you're supposed to drink get this with butter wow right you actually put butter in the coffee and then then whip it up and and among the favorites of the 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 uh, the bulletproof coffee crowd is Kerrygold Irish butter which i happen to love by the way and mm. one of the things i did not realize did you know that that it, it grass fed butter uh, does not affect your bad cholesterol in fact it helps your good cholesterol so whatever for whatever mm. reason the way that it it gets processed through the the cow mm-hmm. when you have gra- gra- grass fed grass fed cow the the butter that is churned from it uh, is is actually good for you, so wow. just keep that in mind. Anyway, but the deal is is that the state of Wisconsin, in its infinite wisdom, has decided to pull Kerrygold Irish butter from all of the shelves, right? 
because they're protecting us, Ron, from of from course. this. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Seems that there's an it was an outdated 1970 law that said that you have to go before a panel of experts that to grade your butter before it gets sold in the state. Now this this uh, this entire little panel, whatever that was, has become outdated, and people like don't even know how to call the panel into to 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 meet. But Kerrygold Irish butter does not have the approval, so pull that off the shelves, my friend. Can't have that. Mm-mm. Nope. It sounds like the same thing with like, isn't there a big controversy about unpasteurized milk and how yeah, that's yeah. outlawed yeah. all in various places? And, you know, there's a Correct. lot of blowback on that. Yeah. Wow. Yep. yep. So she's very upset because she lives in Wisconsin and can't and can't uh, can't, can't make her. It. She's going to have to create a coffee. Mm-hmm. She's gonna have to get a gray market going. That's what she talks <laughs> about. She says now, now she's got a she's got a bootleg bro- brother that you know brings her the carry gold butter from out from it from across straight lines. <laughs> uh, one one of my favorite uh, radio guys, a guy named Mark Stein. He talks about Kindle eggs, Kinder uh-huh. eggs, or kind- they, they yeah. come from Canada. They get a little toy in them. Ed, they're illegal in the United States. They get confiscated yes, they at the border. Yes, they do. And he always talks about that with his kids getting their eggs confiscated. At the- <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, that's too funny. Um, yeah. Well, look, I've got one here from The Economist. They do a magazine every year, uh, The World In, and this is The World in 2017. And they point out uh, that, and this is really interesting, kind of a follow-up to the my last article about the management ideas being dead. China, which brought back MBA education, or I should say established it in the 1990s, right after all the liberalization, they crank out 50,000 MBAs a year in China. Now, that's less than half of what the USA does. But those MBAs are mostly taught Western knowledge. So it's all derivative. So what they say about China is it's the private firms that are really innovating management methods not just mm-hmm. new technologies, but actual management ideas. They talk about Al- Alibaba, you know, the e-commerce, e-commerce giant pioneered escrow in its payment systems. And WeChat, uh, WeChat is the world's most advanced messaging and payment platform that Facebook hmm. and you know, Apple even struggled to keep up with. I mean, apparently these are very innovative. So Chinese companies, Ed, are rejecting one of the tenets of Western management thinking, which is core competency. And they've created a new term. They call it, it's not a new term to them. Uh, they call it instead of core competency or sticking to your knitting and all that, they call yep. it multiple jumping, multiple jumping. And mm-hmm. they talk about by, uh, what is it? Baidu, Baidu uh, started as a search company, right? In China, like Google, uh, they yep. moved into mapping and apps and now yep. they're in AI and autonomous cars. And one consultant over there says this is the most critical event in global management science in 30 years, and the new inspiration is coming from China. Now, (laughs) I read this, and I'm like, okay, count me as a bit skeptical here. I look at Google, and I look at all the things Google's involved in, or even Facebook, you know, virtual reality. I mean, who knows, right, right, Mm -hmm. what these guys are working on. Oh, yeah. And it's like, nah, come on, you know, these guys aren't just sticking to their knitting. I mean, even Apple's working on a car, supposedly. Um, and and then it, it, towards the end of the article, I was thrilled to see it. But the dean of uh, one of the universities over there is a big skeptic about this multiple jumping thing. He said, listen, he said, 
most Chinese companies <laughs> rely on low prices, which is an unsustainable business model in the long run. And he says, like Beidou, for example, a lot of their sexier investments couldn't happen without government support. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like Elon Musk to me. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so if you so if you hear this term multiple jumping, multiple um, jumping, okay, multiple jumping, and it, I guess it comes from multiple jumping champions, you know, like Olympics, uh, you know, things okay. like that's, that's that they get it from. But uh, we'll link to this into the show notes. But uh, be real skeptical about this. I don't think it. Uh, I don't think it diminishes Tim Williams' work about focus. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. In fact, I was just reading through some of Tim's stuff to prepare. He's a, just a brilliant guy. But uh, well, let me let me throw one more out at you, Ron. We have we have two minutes left, and this right. is this was along the lines of my last one on the butter. This is also from our friends at Fee. This one from the great Jeffrey Tucker. On do you did you know, Ron, that in the the United States we must refrigerate our eggs, right? Right. It's specific instructions that you must refrigerate the eggs. Uh, and that's because the United States, we mandate that eggs get washed before the commercial sale. Mm. Right. Um, and because it, and it destroys this outer protective layer that that uh, protects protects us from from bacteria in Europe. Egg washing is forbidden by law. And the government says you cannot refrigerate your <laughs> eggs. <laughs> oh jeez! So, so, just so you know, really, it's all it, why, why things happen in certain places. Well, government interference. Government interference begets whether or not we refrigerate our eggs or not. So there you have it. Whether or not it's logical or not. Oh, that's fascinating. Well, Ed, what's well, on store for next week? Next week, Ron, we're going to do a, t a topic right up your wheelhouse. In fact, I think you wrote a book on this a while, while back, and we're going to talk about the deleterious effects of hourly billing, a classic, if you will. Oh, fantastic. Well, look, I look forward to that, and I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please check out our show notes at thesoulofenterprise.com. For more information, we'll link up to all the articles that Ed and I discussed today, uh, including additional readings and probably some videos even. Also, you can contact Ed or myself at asktsoe at barrisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.